listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates sarah's on vacation today uh she'll be back though don't worry um we have great content for you today great stories to share with you some new stuff from our friends at the lutheran witness uh new two new series in the new lutheran witness website that we are just excited to share with you thanks to concordia university wisconsin for your support of the coffee hour we uh, we are so grateful for your underwriting of the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon joining me today the reverend dr adam kuntz he serves as assistant professor of exegetical theology at concordia theological seminary fort wayne he's also co-host of the word fitly spoken podcast and author of a new series on the lutheran witness website and uh, just uh, thrilled to have you on the program today, Dr. Coons. Thanks for being my guest. Hey, it's great to be with you. And uh, a frequent guest, regular guest on uh, Sharper Iron here on KFUO as well. So you're just a busy man, teaching, <laughs> writing, That's right. studying yeah. God's Word with, uh, with our, our hosts and listeners here on KFUO. <laughs> Tell us, uh, this new series on the, the new Lutheran Witness website is, uh, is just fantastic. Um, you address in this first, uh, what, what do we call it in this column? Is it first installment? Uh, yeah, sure. Installment <laughs> sounds good, even if it sounds sort of like furniture. That that works. <laughs> or a payment plan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so in the, the, the first installment in this series, um, you address some of the, the worries and fears uh, that we as adults um, often face. Uh, and the title of this first installment, Our Whole Future, Holy in His Hands. Uh, I think what a throwback to uh, a song many kids have learned. Yeah, well, probably exactly. Not. So you, you take us into some of those fears and, and maybe reminiscing about the old days. We, many adults, many grownups often reminisce about the days when I remember when we used to leave the doors unlocked. Nobody ever locked the back door and churches used to be full. You take us back to those days. Um, what do unlocked doors and full churches have in common, Pastor? I think that uh, something that's very difficult for a lot of people is that we have a living recent memory of Christianity being not only much more numerically successful in the United States, but culturally, practically unchallenged. Now, you can go back and you can think, oh, we had these problems and we had these other problems. And you can say that, well, people always misremember the past. They think that it was better than it was. And maybe there is something to that. But there's also data to show you that just larger percentages of, of people professed Christianity of some kind within living memory of most of the people listening to this. And uh, there was a general societal sense of greater safety, maybe lower crime rates, certainly before the 1970s. So this is one of the difficult things about our time right now is that although I myself don't remember unlocked doors or full churches, there are plenty of people who do. And um, I wanted to address not only the fears of my own generation uh, or people that are younger than I am, but pretty much anybody that's in our pews right now who's wondering, you know, what happened? How did things change so drastically within my lifetime? 
Yeah, I mean, I remember those times. I remember my great grandmother's house. The the key to her front door was actually a skeleton key and hardly ever used. <laughs> yeah. Just leaving the house unlocked. And and I, I do remember. Uh, I started attending church probably in the 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 eighties, and I remember the pews being somewhat full then. Yeah. Um. So I remember those days. But I, you know, I'm in my mid forties, so I'm probably uh, more in that that older crowd. Uh, who, who remember those days? You, you point out in in your writing that uh, there, there's a difference between how um, children approach things that worry them and how adults do. Why do adults worry more than children? <laughs> <laughs> it's partly because adults um, have a, a much broader range of experience to draw upon. So uh, memories get engraved differently for us. I mean, my two year old can remember lots of things that happened to him last week. Um, it's hard for me to remember what happened to me last week, but if you ask about something bad that happened 10 years ago, I could probably tell you in minute detail. So it's the nature of our experiences um, and our churches are run by adults, not children, uh, probably for better ultimately, um, <laughs> but sometimes for worse. And I think one of the things that's worse about that is that um, because of the amount of adults, I think, suffer in their own way naturally from information overload. We have so much that we could think about, and usually the worst things are the easiest to think about. They're also the easiest to project into the future because it's sort of e easy to imagine that evils would increase or human beings would be deceitful or uh, would, would, it's easy to imagine that they would simply go away, they would die. It's much harder to understand how God's hand would guide us in the future. Uh, usually providence is something that I personally only ever see in the rearview mirror. So uh, the way that adults process their fears and their traumas uh, creates, I think, intense difficulties for any church that is undergoing very horrible changes, um, such as we are right now. Um, some of which I talk about in the first article, but some of which will only come up in the later ones. You mentioned that usually you can only see Providence in the rearview mirror. It just recently read, and this was difficult to read, um, the story of Abraham and Isaac with, mm -hmm. with my son, who mm -hmm. my son is, is six, and uh, is at that age where it, it, he might ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And, and it's kind of difficult to, to read that, but... Abraham could see providence, not just in the rearview mirror, but even before we see in that text, he says, God himself will provide the, the rain. I mean, right. and he tells the servants that we will come back down. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it, it's, it's very similar to Luther in the large catechism saying, you know, a seven-year-old knows what the church is. Um, and that is that it, it is truly possible for someone to be an adult, to know what could happen, to know what has happened, uh, to remember trauma, to remember intense pain, to see bad things coming down the pike pretty clearly. It is possible for an adult to yet trust in God. Um, and what I'm trying to do in these seven articles is to inculcate in a different, you know, different area in each article uh, that kind of childlike trust, uh, because God doesn't actually have any adults. He, he only has children. Um, and so no matter how old I get, or no matter what I go through, or no matter what I have gone through, um, I want to maintain that childlike trust in him 
and in his promises that that Abraham has when he takes his son up the mountain. So what then can we make of these things that we that we worry about? What do we what do we say of them? What do we make of these things that that we worry about today? I think some of them are definitely governed by, and this is something that I talk about in the article on doctrine, which I think is like number four, maybe. Um, so stay tuned. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, one of the issues here is that adults are taking in more information than ever about which they can do very little. So before you even talk about something like media bias or uh, living in echo chambers or um, social media or how people get depressed, generally the more they're on social media uh, of all ages and, and, and everything. Um, before you talk about any of that, um, taking in constantly things that are not God's word uh, is not going to enable you to have uh, trust to face the day ahead. Uh, it also usually will contradict what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount when he says that sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And that attitude of taking everything one day at a time um, is something that comes naturally to children generally. I mean, the older they get, you know, when they're six, you know, uh, they're able to start thinking about what could happen in a month and then be disappointed if it doesn't. Um, but uh, when you take things one day at a time, you are able, um, I think, to appreciate everything that you have, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that your family is alive. Um, all of this comes much, much more. Life itself comes more as a gift than anything else. Uh, the more that you're projecting backward or forward in time um, or trying to control everything, uh, the less everything will come as a gift. And I think just generally the more stressful everything will be. And God's word clearly teaches us to accept life as a gift. You know, Paul says to the Corinthians who think that they're really something, uh, what do you have that you have not received? Hmm. I, I, thinking about the, the pace at which we receive information, yeah. particularly that is not God's word, uh, that, that, that's quite a pace. It, looking at the the uh, the advance of the internet and uh, just even mainstream media, uh, the what we can take in even in just an hour. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think the internet has just made things go faster and this is this is where i i'm not i do not want people to come away from this series at all apprehensive about the future i want them to come away as christians uh which means that their fear is only of god uh and that's because i think one of the things that is an illusion that people have and it's really understandable i've had it myself is that somehow um things are categorically different than they have been before um I would say that the rate at which people receive information about stuff they can't do anything about, the rate at which people receive hatred or vituperation or misery about which they can do nothing um, has increased. But the nature of the thing has not increased. We, we have always been burdened by things we can do nothing about, things we can do nothing to change. And even when you look at something that you you could do something about in the future. Um, let's say you want to you want to preach the gospel so that the church can be fuller than it is now. That's that's wonderful. Um, to understand that all of those things are also in God's hands, right? So whether they are fears that are real and justified, or fears that are unreal, but you're having them constantly pumped into your brain by your phone, 
um, regardless, uh, the future is always in God's hands. And I think that is one of the easiest things to forget about. It's not honestly categorically different than back when everyone had three channels or even before that. You know, Walther, honestly, Walther complains about people reading the newspaper too much. He says, they're not, you guys are not reading the Bible. You're reading the newspaper. What are you going to do about the fact that a volcano exploded in Indonesia? Um, so, so it's kind of, this is kind of, I don't really think of it as new, a new problem. I think that the difficulty that the church faces is the, the overwhelming rate of change and of information. Hmm. I'm letting that process for a minute. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I feel Which like something, I, sometimes I'm like guilty of this myself. I think, uh, I, I, I have a lot that I want to talk about and I think I talk too fast, but, uh, but yeah, go ahead. No, it's, it, it's good. Uh, but I think that, that we take in so much so quickly that perhaps we don't have the time to process it. Right. Fully. Right. And, and and I think you you made a point, um, and I want to get to this in in the second segment here in just a minute. You made a point that there's so much information coming at us about problems that we perhaps we really can't do anything about. I want to talk more about that in just a moment because I know that there's more yeah. there to unpack. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz. He serves as Assistant Professor of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. And he's also co-host of the Word Fitly Spoken podcast and author of a new series on the Lutheran Witness website. Uh, it's witness.lcms.org slash series. You can find it there along with a series from the Reverend Trevor Sutton as well. You can find both of those series there at the new Lutheran Witness website. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. Sarah Goldseth is out today. She'll be back soon, very soon, though, taking some well-deserved time away. Uh, I th- she, I'm sure she's playing on bikes today, but uh, enjoying some, <laughs> some well-deserved time away. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz. He serves as Assistant Professor of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. He is also co-host of the Word Fitly Spoken podcast and author of a new series on the Lutheran Witness website, witness.lcms.org series. You can find it there. Uh, the first installment in the series, Our Whole Future Holy in His Hands, talking about uh, God taking care of us, even in those times when we worry. Before we, in in the last segment, uh, Pastor, we talked about uh, the the fact that we take in so much information, so much news about what's going on in the world around us, and so many problems, so many things that are broken about yeah. which we cannot. Can we do something about them, or can can we not? <laughs> um, and and so much just just 
too, too much to process at times. I mean, right. thinking about what we can consume in an hour or two of what's going on in the world around us, a world full of brokenness and, and hurt. Um, and yet, the, the, I, do you think the world tries to convince us that there are things that we can do with our own two hands to make it better? Yeah, yeah, of course it does, uh, because those are the means that it has available to it. I think uh, to think about a different picture is to think that what the world is doing, uh, especially when it's feeding you information um, and generally despair, is that it's putting you on a kind of hamster wheel. Um, so you may grow in knowledge. You may grow in knowledge of all kinds of problems with the world. You usually won't grow in knowledge of problems with yourself. Uh, God's word is much more pointed than the world in that way. Uh, but it puts you on a hamster wheel. So you feel like you're smart. You feel like you're righteous. You feel like whatever. Um, and you stay on the hamster wheel and you go around and around and around consuming the same stuff. There's a different picture in the Bible and it happens in both Proverbs, but also a good place to go if you're wondering how does this work is James's letter. Because James is talking about people who are uh, under trial, right? And he may mean accusation. Uh, he may mean persecution. He may mean simply um, the difficulty of dealing with one's own sins, uh, which Jesus calls a log in comparison to other people's specks. In their eyes, you've got a log yourself. So whatever that is, whatever the trial is, James has a blessing. He says, blessed is the man who is steadfast under trial. But the picture that he gives of the person who's waiting, who's asking for God's wisdom, who wants to only fear God, which is the beginning of wisdom, is you, you ask, and he's a father, and he loves to give it to you, right? Just like the father in Proverbs who's instructing the son. He loves to give you wisdom. But the wisdom comes down, and the change comes down, uh, and the goodness comes down in James. James says, we're like a farmer waiting for the early and the latter rain. Those are the two rainy seasons in, in Palestine. We're waiting for the first one and the second one. Now, I, that, I, I have to plant. I have to prepare uh, the soil. Uh, I plant. Um, I'm going to weed uh, and I'm going to harvest, but none of it happens without the rain. And it takes time. And so I think that there's a big difference between the sort of hamster wheel knowledge that the world gives you, where you're ultimately doing fruitless, fruitless things. And remember that, you know, evil, the works of evil are called by Paul unfruitful works, right? They bear no fruit, they bear bad fruit, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but in order for us to bear fruit, in order for us to have wisdom, uh, patience is required and time is required. And not because God couldn't, you know, zap the knowledge into us, but because it's his good pleasure to give us gifts and we gradually come to appreciate them all. Um, and I think that is really the only way to go forward, you know, regardless of the challenges. And 2020 has proven that none of us knows what's going to happen next week. <laughs> that will be a challenge. <laughs> so let's give up on that. Um, but I do know that God will be faithful and that he's a loving father next week. Um, so I'm going to trust in that. Does trusting in our Savior mean that we simply pretend those troubling problems don't exist? No, and I don't think it's I don't think it's like a way, like a way around. So like you, you know, let's say that. Uh, you know, in your family, you have you have money troubles. A lot of people are having those right now. Um, and, you know, you go to your spouse and you say, hey, we fell this much short for the past three months. We've cut into savings by this much. If these two things don't change, we're really we're going to be underwater on our mortgage saying, well, I trust Jesus isn't 
isn't really the issue because what happens with God's wisdom is that my trust uh, in his word and my desire to to drink more deeply of that all the time will also will also provide me uh, an understanding of what is important in life, uh, what needs to be done, what sacrifices need to be made. And all of that is utterly practical, utterly practical. So my trust in my savior could result in my saying, we're going to get rid of one of the cars because, hey, we can cut down on the amount of trips uh, that we do and times that we eat out so that the family can be together more often and we can keep the house that we live in. Right. Mm -hmm. So what trust is going to do is it's going to make me a more actually a more practical, more useful in Bible terms, a more fruitful person for the sake of my neighbor. Um, It is not a kind of, you know, just hoping everything's going to work out. What does our Lord say when we are worried, when we are weary? What does he say to us in his word? Yeah, he says this over and over again, but um, a really succinct way is in Deuteronomy when the people are ready to go into the land. And remember, this is a place that they're terrified of when they visited. They sent the spies in and the spies came back and they said, everyone's huge. They're going to kill us all. It's going to be awful. You know, Joshua and Caleb trusted in the Lord's word, but most people didn't. Right. So don't be surprised by that either. But um, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So not only will I never go away to, you know, depart from you forever, leave you, I will also never, ever leave you, especially in the time of trouble. That's forsaking. That's like you and I are in battle together and they're coming at us. And I say, so long, good luck. And I just run. That's forsaking. So he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's going he's gonna to reiterate that over and over again, especially at the beginning of Joshua, when he commands Joshua specifically, who has a big job he's taking over, be of good courage, right? Study this word, these words day and night uh, and be of good courage. Um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this is exactly what he says at the end of Matthew's gospel, when he leaves them with a big task, preaching the gospel to all nations. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So even if the stars are falling from the heavens, that would be the end of the age. I am with you. Jesus is with you. You are not alone. Hmm. So back to the the child issue, comparing children and adults, this is... Uh, being like a child in this way, trusting like a child is is a good thing. In, in this sense, being like a child is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's totally a good thing. And I love this when we baptize people, whether uh, I have baptized people that uh, are six to eight inches taller than I am, and I have baptized other people that I've held as I baptize them. Um, and every time you read Mark chapter 10, and uh, you say that uh, if... Anyone does not receive uh, the kingdom of God uh, like a little child, he shall by no means enter it. That doesn't mean that uh, you have to be a certain age when you receive the kingdom of God. You could be six foot four and 38 years old, or you could be very small, a matter of inches and days old. Uh, But you receive it like a little child in that you receive it as a gift. Uh, Being in it, being fruitful in it, all of these things are a gift uh, in Christ Jesus, and uh, we receive it. There's, there's really no other way. Like I said, God doesn't have any adults. He, he only has children. Hmm. Good stuff, good stuff. In this first article in the series, Our Whole Future Holy in His Hands, uh, 
Pastor Kuntz, what can we look forward to in this series? This is what every uh, every two weeks is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's what they told me. Uh, I wrote them. I, I have no control anymore, uh, <laughs> and that's probably a good thing. So, uh, what's coming up uh, now is a series of uh, both reassurances, but also priorities. Uh, so what do we mean that Jesus is with us always specifically in our context? So next is talking about evangelizing our own country, um, not to take it for granted. You know, I, I, am, I, I look forward to the day that I meet a seminarian that says, I want to plant the third LCMS church in the state of Vermont. You know, um, we have nothing in a lot of places, uh, both, both demographically, but also geographically. And so uh, evangelizing America is next. Uh, after that is cohesion, because uh, whenever a group is under pressure, uh, one of the, you see this with the 12, uh, one of the chiefest temptations for the group is for some to split off so that they can agree uh, with the powers that be rather than with Christ. Uh, then we talk uh, for, uh, for two articles about uh, sound doctrine, healthy doctrine in Paul's words. Uh, sound doctrine, and then uh, discipline. Uh, why is discipline necessary for a group? Uh, and I don't by that just mean, uh, you know, the right of excommunication. I mean, uh, the fact that the church undergoes trial and has to stick together, uh, and uh, how many times we're compared to athletes in the scriptures. Then we talk about giving, uh, giving our whole selves. What is so special about that widow uh, that Jesus saw dropping her two pennies or two mites into the temple box? And then we round it out with another article of reassurance, especially a lot like the first one, uh, but hopefully maintaining a tone of courage and, encur and encouragement, because I think that that encouragement, like a sort of a good coach, uh, is something that we often don't hear uh, in church or uh, within church circles. Uh, we hear fear, <laughs> for sure, uh, but uh, encouragement speaks from a place of confidence, uh, not in myself, but in Christ, and says that uh, I will be with you, and he will be with you, and we will be together, uh, come what may. Check out the new series, witness.lcms.org slash series from the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz, uh, starting off with the first article, Our Whole Future Holy in His Hands. Dr. Kuntz, great stuff here. Thanks so much for writing this for the Lutheran Witness. Looking forward to the, the, uh, the rest of the series. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time today. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.